You must know the times. Answers to 25 essential questions on end times prophecy. A powerful new book by Dennis James Woods. Wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, and floods that devastates entire communities. Global pandemics that kills hundreds of thousands of people. Social injustice, unrest, and lawlessness that threatens our societies. Where is this world heading? And what does the Bible say about the end times? You Must Know the Times is an eye-opening book specifically designed to educate readers about the last days. You will learn what the Bible says about conflicts in the Middle East, the Tribulation Period, the Nation of Israel, the Mark of the Beast, the Antichrist, Armageddon, the Rapture of the Church, and many more essential topics. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times by Dennis James Woods at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Praise the Lord, everyone out there in podcast land. This is Dr. Dennis James Woods here with you one more time with the Revelation Revolution. It is November 22nd. 2020 and I tell you ladies and gentlemen <laughs> we are in some very interesting times oh glory to God but I tell you uh, we are going to have a very very exciting program we're going to cover uh, a few subjects we're going to get into I'm going to be also uh, uh, releasing my uh, the uh, uh, my new uh, book promo uh, commercial you'll at least be able to hear it the audio file of it and uh, for a book that will be coming out hopefully it'll be out by the end of uh, the beginning of December and uh, you'll be able to get copies of it but in the meantime I just need to inform you that you have just entered another exciting episode of the Revelation Revolution Praise the Lord. Again, I'm so glad that you are, have uh, tuned in on today, and uh, we are so happy to uh, be here uh, amongst all of the chaos that's going on in our nation right now. In the post-election era of 2020, uh, in the... Um, uh, where President-elect Biden is uh, uh, getting some stiff resistance to the uh, from the Trump administration from even cooperating. It, this has really turned into a, a real embarrassment in our country. Uh, and uh, I just hope things work out well. Um, and we're actually going to be talking about uh, later on in the broadcast why so many evangelicals were absolutely stunned when President uh, President Donald Trump 
uh, lost the election. And we're going to uh, get into that, uh, what is biblically significant about that whole thing. So um, uh, we're going to get into that and many other subjects. So uh, don't touch that dial. I would like to say that our statistics are looking really well. I just wanted to share uh, with you... um, you know uh, how the how listeners are supporting us and uh, where we are uh, actually right now uh, with uh, downloads and listens and all of that and and I tell you right now we're at 3564 3564 and our last episode has really been popular a lot of people have tuned in to that our last episode uh, basically uh, got into uh, how uh, uh, 45 is preparing the world for Antichrist. And what I actually did, and I was very careful in making sure I told everybody, I'm not saying Donald Trump was Antichrist. I wasn't doing that. What I was saying is, is a lot of the characteristics that he uh, exhibits uh, are the same types of characteristics that the Antichrist will actually exhibit. So those of you that didn't hear that, uh, please go back and listen to that because I, I, I don't have time to cover it now. Uh, all the points that I made, but it's some very interesting very interesting points in there that speaks about Antichrist's character, his personality, his pride, all of these things, the outrageous things he says and all of that, all of that. Just but just go back. And uh but the main thing I wanted to also say is one of the things that uh people don't understand about the Antichrist is the Antichrist is going to be a friend to Israel. Uh Antichrist is going to be a friend to Israel. As a matter of fact, he's going to be the one who do, does all the peace deals or not all the peace deals, but but one particular that he's going to broker or back or strengthen or guarantee uh, is going to be one that is found in Daniel 9.27 when it says he makes a covenant with many for one week. We know uh, those of you that know anything about uh, uh, prophecy uh, and and, uh, that one in Daniel, uh, that one week is actually a seven year uh, period that uh, dispensationalist and pre-tribulation is uh, referred to as a a tribulation period. Uh, So, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with calling it that. It's just that uh, 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 I just wanted to make sure I'm, I'm identifying as a point of reference so that you'll know uh, what I'm talking about. But the Antichrist is going to be a friend of Israel. He's going to be the one that brings the people to the table. He's going to guarantee them their stuff. And so all of these things that that we actually saw in the Trump administration with him, you know, moving the embassy to uh, Israel, uh, uh, from uh, Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which, ladies and gentlemen, which which more of a symbolic thing because and the reason why I was saying it was symbolic because Israel hasn't moved their embassy see if Israel moved theirs that would be one thing <laughs> their embassy is still in Tel Aviv they, they didn't move their embassy to Jerusalem theirs is still in Tel Aviv we moved our embassy to Jerusalem and we declared uh, Jerusalem as Israel's capital that's not an official move that the Israeli government has done now I think when the Israel does things on their own and they don't have an American president speaking in their ears and this is what they should do because that American president is listening to uh, evangelical advisors who basically um, 
saw the Trump administration and a lot of the things that he was doing as being God's man. We're going to talk about this later. Uh, and also how they saw his administration or the Trump administration is as ushering in the end of the world, you know, making it, bringing it closer to that temple being built, which means pre-trib, which who teaches the temple gets built during the tribulation period or during that seven year period, Daniel 70th week. And since that happens during that period, the church obviously has to be raptured. So, you know, Donald Trump had a lot of, had a, had a lot of people who are pre-trib dispensational in their eschatology in his ear. And uh, so by them seeing him as God's man, you know, with God's agenda, uh, this is why they were so stunned when he didn't get reelected. And so uh, and, and, and the sad thing is, is uh, those of you that know Old Testament scripture, you know, God, see, God actually chose uh, the Israel's first king. Uh, God actually chose Israel's first um, uh, king, which was King Saul. Okay, King Saul was a good-looking man, tall man, head and stood head and shoulders above everybody. But Saul ended up, even though God chose him now. Saul ended up taking God off. And why did he take God off? Is because when they went in to destroy the, I think it was the Amalekites and, and, and King Agog or one of those, I feel for Agag or something like that. He was supposed to go in and destroy all those people, kill everything, kill all the women, kids, everything, pregnant women, you know, and all this stuff. I mean, they would listen in those societies when God was wiping out stuff, there were women with babies. There were women that were pregnant. There were women with two-year-olds and three-year-olds. God said, go ahead and wipe all them folk out. Okay? Saul didn't do that. Saul didn't. He didn't do that. He spared the king and everything. So the prophet came to him. Uh, the prophet Samuel came to him and said, listen, God has taken your kingdom from you. Now, he had been told that. Okay? But what did Saul do? Saul didn't pay no attention to that. Saul tried to keep the kingdom anyway. So what did he do? He ran down David. He tried to set David up. He said, he, the, uh, uh, Samuel said, your kingdom has been taken from you and given to another. Well, when Saul got wind, that was David. First of all, he uh, gave, Saul gave his daughter to marry David so he could sabotage him. And then he tried to kill David. He tried to set David up in a uh, plot so he would go uh, uh, and get killed by the Philistines in some battle. And David had to come back with all those uh, foreskins of the Philistines. <laughs> nasty, nasty job, right? <laughs> so he brings a bag of foreskins back. And I, I guess uh, Saul really didn't think he was going to do it. And so he was trying to kill David. David had to run and live in caves for 10 years. And Saul hunted him down. Saul even consulted witches to find out what was going on going to happen and all of that he did all of that but the bottom line is is God took him out of office God is the one who put him in there and God took him out he took him out because he didn't like what Saul did and Saul, Saul got on God's bad side so God said look how I took your kingdom from you you may not see it now but it's gone already now, hopefully this is a word for people today where the election has happened and I know people may not like there might be a lot of people who don't like Biden. I'm not saying Biden is the greatest man in the world. I'm not saying Kamala Harris is the they, they fly around on uh, 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 angels wings and all that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying God is sovereign. God lifts one up. God puts another one down. He raises up a king. He sets another one down. 
He takes, he brings one up, he takes another one out. God is sovereign in the affairs of humans, and we're going to get into that. So, um, but right now, I'm going to diverse. Let me do a, 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 an excursus here. And I w actually want to play for you uh, for the next two minutes. You're going to actually hear the audio version of my video. It's about two minutes uh, for my new book called uh, You Must Know the Times 25. Uh, 25 answers to essential questions on end time prophecy. Enjoy. You must know the times answers to 25 essential questions on end time prophecy, a powerful new book by Dennis James Woods. The world is spiraling out of control at an alarming pace. Wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, and floods devastate entire communities. Global pandemics kill hundreds of thousands of people. Social injustice, unrest, and lawlessness threaten our societies. Political instability and the threat of war increase hostilities between nations. The birth pangs of distress are getting more intense each day. The question is, what do all these things mean, and where is this world headed? Unfortunately, at a time when people need answers the most, many do not know about the end times. You Must Know the Times, Answers to 25 Essential Questions on End Time Prophecy, is an eye-opening book that is specifically designed to educate readers on a wide range of subjects concerning the last days. This book will equip you to discern the times in which we now live. You will learn what the Bible says about the signs of the times, the conflict in the Middle East, the tribulation period, the nation of Israel, the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, the battle of Armageddon, the rapture of the church, the return of the Lord, and many more essential topics. Discover the powerful message the book of Revelation has for Christians, and the perils that await a rebellious world. The Lord warns, look, I am coming like a thief. The one who is alert and remains clothed is blessed. Therefore, it is vitally important that you must know the times. Be aware, be informed, and most of all, be prepared for things to come. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times by Dennis James Woods at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Wow, doesn't that sound exciting? Listen, we are so excited. It's going to be out real soon. It's not out yet, uh, but it will be, uh, I would say, by the first week or so of uh, December, because I uh, intend on having everything uh, to my uh, distributor uh, this uh, following week. Today is a, a Sunday, so, uh, uh, and I know much won't happen during Thanksgiving week, but it should be ready uh, by the December 1st, I'm thinking. So uh, make sure you get a copy of that. And then I have another. I'm actually releasing two books. The second one is called Revelation Revolution, The Antichrist, Angels, and the Abyss. This is the book where I systematically, and it's, it's a theological work, but I, it's not, I, I tried not to make it too, too, too theological, you know, so bear with me, but I have to give... A systematic and a theological approach to why I say there are major problems with pre-trib 
and I do a meticulous job. I I include my correspondence where I talk to two of the top uh, uh, dispensational scholars of their of their generation, uh, Dr. John Walvoord and uh, Dwight Pentecost uh, from Dallas Theological Seminary. I challenge both of them. I actually have the letters, the paper that I sent to Dr. Pentecost, the things that he's actually put uh, in his uh, uh, in his writing back to me, some of the missions he made, and some of the things. They said you would you'll be amazed by that. But but not only that is how we show uh, how the restrainer of Second Thessalonians is really not the Holy Spirit and how people built a whole theology that follows in the wake of that concept. And it affects how we see the saints in Revelation. See, all of these things are interconnected. So the last chapter of that book, I, I, I give seven uh, decisive uh, uh uh, uh, concepts of uh, uh, things why what, what difference does it make uh, if the uh, restrainer is not the, uh, uh, the if the Holy Spirit is not the restrainer in 2nd Thessalonians and it's an important thing because all of these concepts that we get from the Left Behind series and all of that a lot of this stuff is not going to happen the way people think it's going to happen and if you think people were stunned if you think evangelicals were stunned uh, when Trump didn't win, then ladies and gentlemen, they are going to be apoplectic when they find out when the, when, when the church is still here and Israel starts building that temple and the church is still here and that covenant of peace is is is, is uh, uh, inaugurated and, and the church is still here. Uh, so you, you think they were stunned a couple of weeks ago. Wait till that happens. And I give reasons, ladies and gentlemen, in my book, Revelation Revolution and the Antichrist Angels and the Abyss of why the doctrine has a major flaw here and because of that we have to question and we have to reevaluate how we approach the book of Revelation because that has an impact on it and see and a lot of people don't understand there is a connection between those two how we see Revelation has a lot to do with our concept of believing that the Holy Spirit has been taken from the world and so that that whole idea uh, uh, where it came from I do a complete history on uh, well not complete but a, a, but a, but a, a, a cursory review of John Nelson Darby the uh, the Anglican minister that bought uh, the dispensationalism that we know today to America in the 1800s I'm not saying he's the first person that ever taught pre-trib or had a, after, uh, uh, the mindset of a pre-trib rapture I'm not saying he's the first one because a lot of people have fallen into that trap and, and dispensationalists nail them on it but the bottom line is Darby is the one who systematized it and brought it to America now it came to America primarily through him yes so our version of it yes John Nelson Darby all the way but was he the first one that came up with something and I, 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 don't, I don't get into that because it's really not important we're, we're talking about uh, what, what effect it's going to have on Christians uh, and now in the 21st century and particularly here in America if things do not pan out the way that pre-trib says and that's the other question it's, it's, to, it's, to, it's to argue the question that hey look what if this is wrong what if it's wrong ladies and gentlemen
You know, we, 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 we don't ask ourselves that question. What we do is we put all our eggs and say, in the basket and say, oh, the temple's going to be built during the seven years uh, tribulation and during Daniel's 70 week and that covenant is going to be a sign and we're going to be gone and, and all of a sudden it's going to disappear. Well, that's a fine theory as long as it works. And that's another thing, ladies and gentlemen. That's a theory. It's not solid. It hasn't happened yet, so no one knows. All of our positions are theories. Why, why don't people just tell people that? Just tell people there's that non-pre-trib is a theory. This is how we think it's going to happen. But you have people actually believing it like this is what the Bible says, and that's not the case. And I keep trying to tell people that. We need to have the conversation. What would Christians face, ladies and gentlemen, if that theory is wrong? If that theory is wrong, then that's a game changer. It's a game changer for the Christians that are going to be here. And that's one of the big issues. And so, what I want to do now is I want to play uh, a, uh, a clip from uh, Pastor Phil Johnson. And Pastor Phil Johnson is uh, uh, one of John. He's, he's, he works closely with Dr. John MacArthur. I think he's the editor for his books. And he's, he's a, big, a big wig at Grace to You or, or the Master Seminary, that the seminary that uh, Dr. MacArthur is the president of. And uh, I want you to listen to how they talk about receiving the mark of the beast and, and all of this now. Uh, this was uh, just recorded uh, on uh, May second, two thousand twenty, and it's on the Dor Doreen Virtue podcast, and she's got over like uh, 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 a quarter million uh, subscribers. So this is a very, very big platform, and um, uh, I think it's important that we listen to what they're saying, and then we'll come back and then pick it apart afterwards, okay? All right. Decision that was going to affect them for eternity forever. And that's what Jesus was talking about with the unpardonable sin. But I think what's significant about that passage that often gets brushed over is that just before he mentions the unpardonable sin, he says, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven. So there really isn't a sin that's unforgivable if you repent. So the real question then we're left with is, is it possible for someone who willfully accepts the mark of the beast to repent? My, my answer to that is, I don't know. Hypothetically, if they did, it would be a forgivable sin. Mm -hmm. There are lots of passages in Scripture that make sin sound unforgivable you know all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire it says that as well mm -hmm. does that mean if you tell a lie you, you there's no hope for you forever he heaven would heaven would be empty that's right so so those strict warnings are given to us to to caution us about the dangers of toying with sin of playing mm -hmm. around with it and um uh and yet there are equally potent promises of forgiveness and pardon for anyone who repents. So, you know, it's, a, it's again, still a hypothetical question. Would anybody who received the mark of the beast ever repent? I don't know. If they did, would it be forgivable? I do know that. The answer is yes, because mm -hmm. Jesus said so. Wow. Uh, that really clears that up. Thank you so much. Wow. Now, in order to 
hear the whole conversation because obviously the the uh the video is 34 minutes long I, I, I couldn't i couldn't play all of it and they talk about more than just uh uh being able to repent from the mark of the beast uh uh but you could you could go to it uh it's uh, titled in youtube the mark of the beast explained by pastor phil johnson uh and it's uh on doreen virtues uh, uh podcast uh so uh you you could you could go to that but let's just let's just deal with um basically what he was saying uh he was saying that uh they they, they keep um making reference to the unpardonable the unpardonable sin and by doing that they try to say well there's only one unpardonable sin and Jesus didn't mention any other sin so therefore this couldn't be an unpardonable sin because the unpardonable sin uh, was blasphemy of the Holy Ghost where the uh, Pharisees willingly and they uh, uh, attributed the works of Jesus to uh, Satan somehow and um, uh, and that was the only sin that was called unpardonable so let's just deal with that first of all if you want to include or bring into the conversation the unpardonable sin then obviously the mark of the beast or receiving the mark of the beast would have to fall under the category as the ultimate blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why I'm saying that is because in order to receive the mark of the beast, you have to worship the beast as God, number one. That's number one. Okay, so so that's that by itself is a blaspheme because part of the whole persona of the Antichrist is a blasphemer. Okay, let's 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 look at this, and uh, and I'm gonna get to the reason why this is so important. This is tremendously important issue, ladies and gentlemen. Tremendously important. Okay. Uh, let's 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 do with the NIV. Um, we're at Revelation chapter thirteen. It says, "And the dragon stood up. Uh, the dragon stood upon the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea that had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on its uh, on its horns, and each had a blasphemous name." So I want you to get the whole persona of the Antichrist. Or the beast. At his core. At his core. Is blasphemy. He is the ultimate. Other than Satan. Blasphemer. (laughs) So. I just want to bring all of that out. to, To back up. Basically what I was saying. That. If you want to go that route, there's only one unforgivable sin, and the one unforgivable sin is blasphemy with the Holy Spirit, then we would have to put this sin under that broad range. Under that, well, not broad range, under that umbrella. 
Okay, so if you want to go there, I, I, I don't think you, you necessarily have to go there. I think that there is still an explanation, even if you didn't connect it to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, even if you didn't go that way. But let's just let's just let's just let's just roll in the flow of that. Okay, all right. So uh, let me actually switch. Let me switch versions. Okay. And so we, I just switched to the NASB. Okay, uh, it says, And the dragon stood upon the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on its horns ten diadems, or crowns, and on its heads were blasphemous names. So we understand the very core of, of, of the Antichrist is blasphemy. Okay, alright, so. And the beast which I saw was 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 like a leopard. His feet was that like those of a bear. His mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and the throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as was wounded had been slain, and the fatal wound was healed, and the whole world was amazed and followed after the beast. And they worshipped the beast. And they worshipped who? I'm sorry. Number four. And they worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him. There was given unto him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months for 42 months was given to him the authority to act for 42 months was given to him and he opened his mouth and blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle that is those who dwell in heaven okay so now we are getting this description at the core of this man you know how many times they just mentioned blaspheme okay blasphemer he's a blasphemer okay so now we have to think of that when we think of the antichrist and if you did want to connect the mark of the beast who is it the unpardonable sin? Because Jesus only mentioned one unpardonable sin. He, yeah, he might, he may have mentioned one unpardonable sin, but it, but but there's more than one type of that type of sin. In other words, let me give you an example. There is more than one type of car, but they are all cars. Okay, you got Buicks, you've got Hondas, you've got. Isuzu's, you got Ferraris, they're all cars, all have motors, all have steering wheels, all got four. See, the thing is, so it, they would all fall in the category of motor vehicle, okay? So, just because Jesus says blasphemy of the Spirit back in when he was talking about it in the Gospels, he wasn't just saying necessarily that there's only one type of car. So when you come to Revelation and you begin to worship the beast who is the ultimate blasphemer, you are also falling under his authority and at his core is to blaspheme and to be instead of or opposed to Christ, hence the term anti Christ. So we have to understand that. 
So if you want to make it a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit issue, then you have to consider the fact that if you follow in the Antichrist, you are following the ultimate blasphemer. Now, if Jesus said the people who were, uh, committed blasphemy of the Holy Spirit because they attributed the works of the Holy Spirit to Satan, now if that's if, if, if then then you have to at that point consider the Antichrist because he's calling himself God. Now, if he's calling himself God and the things that he's doing, people are believing that he is God. He's calling himself God. Then you are actually attributing the things of Satan to God and you fall under the general the general title of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Because at the core of Antichrist's person is blaspheme at the core of his kingdom is blasphemy it says in a let me go back to the uh, 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 the first verses he says uh, then uh, then he says uh, he had having ten horns and seven heads and on his horns were ten diadems and on his heads were blasphemous names so at his core, he's fundamentally a blasphemer. So this is why he sits in the temple of God and calls himself God. Now the miracles that he does, the miracles that he does, and all of that, people will see those miracles with him and the false prophet do. They will see that as being God. And they will attribute to the Antichrist things that they believe is God doing. Because he's a deceiver. He's a blasphemer. So, even if you want to pull in the discussion... If you want to pull that in, if you want to pull in blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, like again, which I don't even think you need that argument. But if you want to go there, what Antichrist did was still would fall under the category, uh, would fall under the category of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Certainly, because if the Pharisees could do it in Jesus's time, and these are just Pharisees, not somebody walking around calling themselves God. Certainly, those who follow and worship Antichrist are committing the same type of sin. It's just a different model of car. That's all. So even if you wanted to go that route with it, you can. But by doing that, you know, this is, this is, this is the art of argumentation. And this is why a lot of people don't like lawyers. This is why Jesus didn't like the scholars and the lawyers. Because anything can be argued. You can take any proposition and argue against it. And come up with some arguments. And this is why Jesus said, look, you're, 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 you're strained at a gnat and can't see the beam in your own eye. You'll be like Bill Clinton parsing words. I, what, it depends on what the definition of is is. See, see, you see, you never, you never get out of the circumlocution, uh, uh, circumlocation of talking in circles. 
circumlocution, 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 I think it is. I might be pronounced, mispronouncing that, but y'all know what I mean. Okay, one of those $3 words. Okay, Every, and, and, and besides, everybody mispronounces something. So, you know, hey, if I did mispronounce it, you know what I'm talking about. Circumlocution. But when you're talking in circles like that, which lawyers often do, they often do these things. And this is why anything can be argued and any point can be made. But what you have to do is you have to use common sense and just rightly divide the word. You don't need to be a scholar here. Okay? All right. Now, my point is you don't even need to, to, to approach it from that uh, point of view and saying, is this the unpardonable sin? And then they coming back and saying, no, I don't think it's the unpardonable sin. Well, it's not about what you think. And notice the, the rationale that he used. Uh, he, he, he used this verse. This is what he did. He went to Revelation. He, he quoted Revelation 21.8. And we, we, he said, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murders and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and, and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death now see that's the part they left out notice he says he said there are certain sins in the bible that are mentioned he said for example the bible says all liars he said in heaven we all liar is 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 that to say everybody who tells a lie is gonna go to hell no we wouldn't say that well first of all you have used a passage of scripture and you've taken it out of context to make the point you were making. Let's go back to the passage. What is this talking about? Listen to this, Revelation 21 and 8. But the fearful, the unbelieving, and the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters and all liars listen to this last part you can't leave this out shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death now we got to ask this question what's the second death all right, so let's go back to Revelation chapter 20. So you just can't throw things out there and not qualify them. That's where problems happen. Okay, yeah. Now, but listen to this. Uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse number 4. It says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them which were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark upon their foreheads or their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So much for this. Oh, they, were, they weren't worthy to be caught up in the rapture. Oh, uh, they were left behind and all of this. No. God is giving these people space 
special acknowledgement. Why? Because they weren't, and they weren't in that list of sins that were just mentioned in Revelation 21. One of the first things he said, the fearful. The fearful. You know what that word means? The cowards. You know who's going to be cowards? It's going to be those who buckled, who who give in to taking the mark of the beast because they're too afraid not to be able to partake in the Antichrist's system, the world economy, to buy and sell. They're not going to be able to get around the fact that way, how am I going to send my kids to school? How am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to go to work? How am I going to pay my tuition? How am I going to pay my light bill? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How am I going to be able to survive? You see, what the Antichrist is going to offer the world is participation in prosperity through the new global economy. And the way to get in the global economy is going to be through his mark. So, not taking the mark means that you will not have access, ladies and gentlemen, to the global economy and the prosperity that he's going to be telling the world about. And all of that, you won't have access to it. And so, those who seek to save their lives, as Jesus said, those who seek to save their lives are going to lose their life. And those who seek to lose, who, those who lose their life will save their life. So those who give in and say, I didn't want to die. I didn't want to go to jail. I didn't want to get my head cut off. I didn't want, I didn't want to not be able to pay my bills and send my daughter to private school and, and, and live out in the suburbs or wherever I live and have my condo. I, I wanted to be able to participate and go to the movies and, 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 and Cheesecake Factory and, and, and Olive Garden on weekends and go to Lowe's Pictures and, and, and go to the movies. I wanted to be able to participate in the global economy and still have my Netflix at home and my Amazon and all of my cable and all of that. I wanted to be able to do that and God would suddenly understand that if I just gave in and accepted the mark of the beast that he would forgive me. But no, ladies and gentlemen, let me go back to that verse. Here's what it says. But the fearful, let me, let me pull that up in another, let me pull that in the NIV. Listen what it says. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, all that practice magic arts, the idolater, and all liars. Let me read that in a, in a, in a, a Christian standard Bible. But the cowards, there it is again in the NASB. But 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 for the cowardly, uh-huh, the cowardly. You keep calling God is calling these people cowards. But as for the cowardly in the New English version, glory to God. In the uh uh, in the New Jerusalem Bible, but for the cowardly and untrustworthy. See, these are the people, ladies and gentlemen, that he's naming here. But these people all have a part in the second death. So we have to find out who is the second death 
talking about? Who is the second death text talking about? He says, so we're going back to, I'm in NASB, Revelation 20, verse 4. Then I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them. And judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus. And because of the word of God. Those who had not worshipped the beast or received his image. And had not received the mark on their foreheads and on their hands. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, want, you to, I want you to get this now. This just told us who's in the first resurrection. The first resurrection, which includes all the righteous, but the, the, the point is, is here. It's not focusing in on all the righteous here. It's focusing in on the anchor generation of Christians. What I mean by the anchor generation, the Revelation 13 saints are the last group of church saints. That is the church. Okay? It's focusing in on the anchor generation. It's not focusing in on all the other ones. Why is it focusing in on the anchor generation? Because they have just come through a time that no other group of human beings in the history of the planet Earth have just been through. They come through something or went through something. I don't mean go go all the way through as in the end of Daniel 70 week because the, I, I believe that we get a picture of the rapture actually in Revelation 14. But and then and then those same saints and are in Revelation 15 are seen in heaven before the angels with the vows of the wrath of God in chapter 16 are even are, are even dispatched to the world to pour the wrath of God out. Those saints are in heaven before that even happens. Why? Because we're not appointed to wrath, but we'll get to that later. But the bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, all of these people have just come through something that no other generation of Christians have gone through. So now in this part of the heavenly ceremony, God focuses on them. Because they're the anchor generation. It's like when you run in a relay race. You got the starter man, you got the people in the middle, and you got the anchor man. It's the anchor man who breaks the tape. He's the one that the cameras are snapping to see the millisecond he breaks. The focus is on the anchor person. It's not that the other people don't rejoice when he wins. It's not that they weren't part integral in the race. It's not that they didn't do their part of the race, their leg of the race. Yes, they do. But Revelation 20 is focusing in on that last generation. So now we get the criteria of who's that in that generation. And the people that are in that generation are those who lost their lives because they gave it up for Jesus. They loved not their lives unto the death. They didn't care about their life. They were laying their lives down 
They went to get beheaded singing victory in Jesus. They were like Polycarp who said, 86 years have I served and I'm not turning my back on the now. Jesus Christ is Lord. Do what you're going to do. Bring it on. That's the type of people that who refuse to get the mark of the beast. So what's happening in this ceremony, they're being honored specially by Christ. Why? Because they were martyrs. They gave their life just like Jesus gave his. Now, ultimately, Jesus, you wouldn't consider Jesus a martyr. Jesus was a sacrifice. Ultimately, that's what you would consider him. Everybody else behind him, these are martyrs. Okay? Glory to God. Uh, Jesus was offered up as a lamb on our behalf. Glory to God. I, I love him. I love him and the power that's in his resurrection. And so, therefore, here God is saying, those that didn't get the mark, who stood to the last, who stood to the end, they suffered and died. Just like Jesus told the church of Samaria, he said, the devil is going to cast some of you in the prison and you're going to have tribulation. He said, but be, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm not going to let that happen to you. Oh, I wouldn't dare do that. Oh, I know you couldn't take it because you'll be a coward and give in. And so this is why in Revelation 21, that's why it's mentioned, but the cowardly, because Jesus would see those who give in to the mark of the beast, who, who take the name of the mark of the beast, who, who unite with the ultimate blasphemer. And, and trade on Christ. He sees them as cowards. Cowards. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? None of them will be in the first resurrection. None of them with the mark of the beast will be in the first resurrection. They're not even in that resurrection. I don't even know how a person could fix their mouth to say you could repent after getting after getting the mark of the beast. Because number one, those that's in the first resurrection, number one, ladies and gentlemen, those people will, are those who didn't get the mark. There's no people with the mark of the beast in the first resurrection. If they're not in the first resurrection, those who get the mark of the beast, then which resurrection are they? They're in the other resurrection. The other resurrection. John gives us a glimpse of the other resurrection. This is what he said. Revelation 14, verse number 9. Then another angel, a third one follows saying with a loud voice. And, and I just want to give a footnote here, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, no one will get the mark of the beast by accident. Number one, you will have to worship the beast in order to get it. 
the beast would have to be here, the false prophet would have to be here, the abomination of desolation would have to happen. Before that, all those things are in place, that, that's not the mark of the beast. You, you'll know it. You won't be able to sneak up on it. Okay? First of all. But second of all, no one will be able to claim ignorance. Be why? Not just because the Bible says it in Revelation 14, 9 through 12. Okay. Not only because of that. 9 through 11, rather. Not only because it says it. But because this is a sin, the mark of the beast, that has never been happened before in the history, human history. This is a unique sin. This isn't like any of the other sins. This one's unique. It's unique in the fact that even though there have been other antichrists, this happens at a time that Jesus says has not been since the beginning of the world, nor shall ever be anything like it afterwards. So we're in a unique epoch, in a unique time. And the Antichrist is unique because there won't be another one after him that comes. He is the Antichrist. And so all of the circumstances that are involved with the mark of the beast, receiving the mark of the beast, the time, the calamitous times, the whole thing is characterized as a time that has never been since the beginning of the world, nor will ever be. So this makes it unique. This in its character, unique in, in, in its intensity, unique in the levels of deception, unique in the uh, in the cosmic disturbances, unique in the ge geological disturbances, unique in, in demonic activity, unique in the wars and the deaths and the calamity, unique in that you will have an antichrist and a false prophet working together calling fire down from heaven all of this is unique the mark of the beast is a unique sin so you number one you cannot compare it with anything else in history because it can only be done at a certain point in history at a point that will never be repeated again this is unique you can't, you can't put it in the pile with everything else so this is why God, since it's a unique sin, he gives a specific directive. In other words, this is a commandment specifically to address this sin. Martin Luther didn't have to worry about this. John Calvin didn't have to worry about this. Daniel didn't have to worry about this. These other guys didn't have to worry about this. This is only something that can be done during the 42 months of the Antichrist of the reign of the Antichrist it's in a class by itself and because it's in a class by itself God gives a specific directive about this specific sin so this is why Revelation 14 does that now, his second part to that, 
This isn't given to preacher John down the street or apostle David up the street or prophetess, whoever down the street or at church over here, church over there. No, this is given by God dispatches an angel to do this. Now this, this goes beyond human agency. God is going, uh-uh. No, I'm going to send somebody to the earth to warn all of you guys. And this message is going to get through to everybody. It's not going to have, it, it will not be hindered by human limitations. It will not be hindered by the fact that Antichrist is not letting people read the Bibles because all obviously, like Antiochus Epiphanes did in 167 BC, he forbade the Jews to read the law, go to Sabbath, anything. All of that's going to be outlawed. You're not going to be, you'll be, you might get, it might be a death sentence like it is in some countries now to be caught with a Bible. You know, there's people on earth right now, if they catch you with a Bible, they kill you. There's places like that now on this planet but it'll be like that it'll be like that so God doesn't leave this to human agency what does he do he sends an angel to do it and the angel declares it from heaven ladies and gentlemen now ladies and gentlemen I don't know what this look like I don't know what the angel I don't know what the angel's name is what I don't know what angel I look uh, look all I know is it ain't one of them angels that Paula White was calling for to come from Africa. I know it ain't one of them. Now that I can say. But anyway. <laughs> oh boy. I done threw myself off. Alright, let me get back to reality. <laughs> anyway, this is what the uh, text says. Revelation chapter 14 verse 9. Then another angel a third one follow them saying with a loud voice if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand he also shall drink the wine of the wrath of God okay but let's put a pen right there. Let's just put a footnote. Meaning, the wrath of God that the Bible is identifying here hasn't come yet. You, did you get that? These people shall drink the wine of the wrath of God because the wrath of God is actually poured out in Revelation 16. One will we'll, begins in Revelation 16. So that means there's a wrath to come for people that's going to get the mark that hasn't happened yet. So that's why he's telling you, don't get that mark because you're going you're to have to go through the wrath of God. Okay, but let me continue reading. Which is mixed in the full strength in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. Okay, and their smoke shall torment, and their smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they will have no rest day or night of, of those who worship the beast and his image or whoever receives the the mark of his name okay now so let's just break that down let's just break that down okay now first of all there's going to be wrath that is going to be endured by people who get the mark of the beast okay let's go to revelation chapter 16 all right now revelation 16 
Verse 1. Then I heard a voice, loud voice from, from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. Okay? Then it says, So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and it became a loathsome, malignant sore on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. Okay, first of all, this is what I want you to know. Understand. The very first thing the wrath of God targets are the people who get the mark of the beast. Okay, now this is now this is just the earthly wrath. We ain't even gotten to the bad. This this ain't the bad stuff. This is just the earthly part. What I mean by the earthly part, these are people still on earth. So those uh, uh those who have that mark of the beast, now I want you to think about it. Where's the mark gonna be at? On the forehead and on the right hand. So that means people's face are going to be covered with smelly, malignant, nasty, cancerous, so incurable sores. Everyone. Think of that, ladies and gentlemen. Think of the people who got the mark of the beast. The first thing they get the first thing God gets is them. First thing. Now, so, 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 so this whole idea, oh, I just get the market piece and I'll just repent and just hallelujah. That's not going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you believe these people? Do not believe these people. The first thing. First. But now, Revelation don't just talk about that. Then you have to read Revelation 16 to get all that other stuff that's going to be happening on the world. But so the but then he goes to this though. This is what he said. If anyone worships the beast's image or receives the mark in his forehead or his hand, he also will drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is which is mixed in a full strength in a cup of his anger. Th that's talking about Revelation 16. But then he also says and semicolon and new thought here he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of holy angels in the presence of the land and their smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and they have no rest day or night who 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 worship the beast and his image who, who, who whoever's received the mark of his name so now this gets into eternal punishment. So what, Jesus, so what God is saying to people, uh, he said, listen, the mark of the beast is a unique type of thing. No other generation of humans have ever had to deal with this. But the generation of humans that do have to deal with this. God says, look, I understand it may not be no Bibles. It may not be church going to be uh, uh, th that church. People ain't going to be going to churches. It won't be no Bible stuff like that. We understand that. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to not give it to T.D. Jakes or Robert Jeffers or Joe Osteen or any of these other people to tell y'all I'm going to send 
an angel who doesn't need a translator who when that angel speaks every language will understand it everybody will get the message so this is what makes it even more egregious it's more egregious not only are these people signing on to a blasphemer the antichrist connecting back to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit if you just wanted to go there I, like I said I don't think you need that part of it you don't need that part of it well, the, the, we, you got problems on your own if you don't bring that in okay but since he's a blasphemer these are the people who liken themselves identified with submit themselves to and worship someone who at his core is a blasphemer of God okay that's number one number two they do it knowing God sent an angel telling them not to do it. God sent an angel. He doesn't even leave that to human beings. He sent one of his one of his heavenly hosts who can who who don't have to worry about the devil or the antichrist. Who ain't concerned about that? Uh uh. He got a mission. He comes down here. He declares it. So now you got an angel sitting up there in heaven. I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't know. But he's going to send an angel. That angel is going to declare to the planet, do not get the mark of the beast. If you do, you are going to burn in hell forever. So this is what this means. Now, the reason why this is important is because not only is he saying that they would drink the wine of, of, of wrath of God, which is poured in full strength in the cup of his anger, speaking that's speaking of the bold judgments that come up in, in Revelation 16. Then it's a semicolon and new thought. He will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of holy angels and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. Now, what that describes is the second death. Now we're talking about the second death. So not only are these people going to get it with the sores and all of the other things that happens in Revelation 16, God is saying, then you are going to be judged again and then thrown into the lake of fire. So now, let's get back to that. Uh, chap uh, uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse number 4. It says, then I saw thrones and they that sat upon them judgment was given unto them and I saw the souls of them which had been beheaded because, uh, beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast nor his image and had not received the mark on their forehead or and on their hand and they came to life and reign with Christ for a thousand years so this group is the group who didn't get it and God is making special
special note of them. These are special, precious Christians. God say for them, y'all definitely going to reign with me. I'm coming back to institute my reign. He says, you will share that with me. That's how much I'm respecting you. He said, listen, you gave your life during that time. You cool. You are coming back. Listen, I'm going to bring you with me. You're reigning with me. What an honor that is. What an honor. Okay, but listen to what he says. Number five, but the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. So that means, then it says, this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one that has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to this. The second death has no power over these. Now remember that. Because when we go back to Revelation 20, 21, you're going to see that term again, second death. So that means the people who didn't get the mark are in the first resurrection. That means the people who did get the mark are in the great white throne judgment because he says it right here but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were completed now let's get into who's in this second one verse number 11 verse number 11 then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence the earth and the heaven fled away and no place was found for them and I saw the dead the great and small standing before the throne and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell, death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Death and Hades were, or death and hell were thrown into the lake of the fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Okay, so now, the lake of fire, that's what people are burning. This is what God was describing in Revelation 14. He said they will be tormented with burning brimstone and fire and would have no rest day or night and the smoke of their torment rise up forever and ever and ever and they'll have no rest. In other words, they're going to be burning forever. So it's said that whoever got the mark of the beast would burn forever, right? And if you get the mark of the beast, you cannot be in the first resurrection. You can't be. Because that's the resurrection for the righteous. So there is no repenting for people who get the mark of the beast because you would need to be in the first resurrection. All of those people are going to be in the second resurrection. And guess what? That's the second death. 
that's what the second death is. It's to be thrown into the lake of fire. That's what that is. So now, when we get back to Revelation 21, verse number 8, they said, but the fearful and the unbelieving. But let me get out of that because I, I don't like how it says unbelieving. I like, I like what it calls them. Verse number 8, but the cowardly, those are the ones who love their lives more than they love the Lord and they gave in and got the mark of the beast and they worshiped the beast. These are the, God sees them as cowards. They were cowards. They were not willing to die for the Lord. It's the same thing that Jesus said in Matthew 16. He who seeks to save his life. See, this is what they're doing. They're seeking to save their life. Why? Because, oh, God wouldn't let that happen to us. Oh, we weren't supposed to be here. And, 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 and I have to take care. I have to send my kids to daycare. I, I got to pay my car note. I got to keep going to college. And I need to be able to shop at Macy's and go to the show and go to Cracker Barrel. See, you won't be able to do any of that. So what happens is, is you have to compromise with the Antichrist and his the prosperity and his global economy. And the gateway into that global economy will be the mark of the beast. But God says you are a coward if you seek to save your own life. You are a coward. That's what God calls you. That's what the Bible says. But the cowardly and the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those that practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. Now remember, this is this is the verse that uh, 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 Phil Johnson used when he was on uh, uh, or Doreen Virtue's uh, show. He said he said, well, the reason why they they may, I, I believe uh, uh, they'll be able to do it because it's, it's, it's not the unpardonable sin and, and and all sins other than unpardonable sins are forgivable. And and if you and I believe that if you did get the mark of the beast, you'll be able to repent. You'll be able to repent, and if you truly repent after you get the mark of the beast you I believe you can you can be saved I believe you can be redeemed listen ladies and gentlemen that is a man who does not know what the heck he's talking about telling people promising people something that he has no authority over the people who get the mark of the beast cannot be redeemed because they're not in the first resurrection they're in the second resurrection and those that are in the second resurrection will meet the doom that the Bible says they're going to meet, not sent by, by a, 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 a human agency, but God sends an angel to do it. To give authority to the fact that, listen, if you do this, and so God, even in that hour, is showing grace to the world. Because the first angels, three angels, the first one preaches the everlasting gospel. Listen, the grace of God has not even been turned off during the mark of the beast. Because instead of letting humans do it, because all the Christians are going to be hiding and running. There's not going to be any churches. 
And this idea that the 144,000, they're going to be the ones that's evangelizing. The word even evangelizing, the word of them preaching, the word of them witnessing to anybody is not even mentioned in Revelation. That's something that we cooked up. Now, I'm not saying they can't do it or they won't do it, but that's something men made up. There's nothing ever said about the 144,000 witnessing or, or uh, 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 preaching to the, to the world. That's something that dispensation is made of. There's nothing that says anything about that. Now, again, I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the Bible doesn't say that. So the bottom line is that God's going to send an angel. He's not going to trust that to people. He sends an angel to do that, to preach the everlasting everlasting gospel. Why? Because it's still time before God pours his wrath out. And then God shows even more grace by allowing people not, by warning people, don't take the mark. So if you take the mark of the beast, you are doing it despite God sending an angel, despite God putting it in his word. You are willfully doing it. Not only are you willfully doing it, you are aligning yourself and worshiping a person who at his core is the blasphemer. And at his core, you are worshiping him and Satan. And you're doing it knowingly you're doing it. So that's why when God pours out his bowl of wrath on the people that have the mark of the beast, the first thing they got, the first thing that get, they get hit with is a cancerous sore. And I bet you that's going to be a nasty, smelling, putrid, oozing, painful sore with no cure. It won't be no vaccine for that. Ain't going to be no vaccine. Ain't going to be called no COVID-19. This will be worse. Much worse. Much worse. Not even close. People are going to be dying from that. So God going to kill a bunch of people. They're not just going to get that so and live and then go go get some uh, 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 some of that uh, and some uh, antiseptic neosporin. You're not going to put neosporin on this. You're not going to put no band-aids on it. You're not going to be going to any doctors. Doctors, you think people can't take glory to God? You think people can't take people now with COVID because the hospitals are being filled? Wait till everybody on the planet gets that cancer on their face. Because you got to put the thing on your forehead. It's going to be oozing all in people's eyes and everything. It's going to mess them up. And it's going to kill a lot of people. You think those people are then, the people who die doing while while God is breaking the world off in uh, Revelation 16 with all of those judgments? Don't you know that millions of people will be slaughtered and killed during that time? But when God comes back, those are all unrighteous dead people. Those people don't even raise again until the second death. And then until the the second resurrection, which is the resurrection to damnation that Jesus talked about in John chapter uh, uh, 6. He said there's a resurrection of life and that to damnation. Some are coming up to the resurrection of damnation. And the people that get to Mark of the Beast will be in that category. That means even if they did repent, God wouldn't receive it. They couldn't be saved by it. It's just like it's just like Judas, too late, dude. Too late to cry now. You did it already. So there's no way, ladies and gentlemen.
But getting back to this list, so do you, so then they use this list, then they go, oh well, this is, uh, 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 uh. yes, because it says, well, there's a scripture that says all liars will go to hell. But he's not talking about people that are redeemed. He's talking about people that are going to suffer the second death. And in that case, yes, all of those liars are going to go to hell. You know why? Because they're in the second, the resurrection of damnation. And because they're in the resurrection of damnation, they don't have a savior. And because they don't have a savior, they do not have forgiveness of sins. And because they have no forgiveness of sins, they must sit there and answer for themselves when God opens the books and reads back to them every deed, every word, every thought. And then he goes and checks the last book of life. And if your name is not found in that book, you are toast eternally. Now, I don't care what Phil Johnson said. I don't care what uh, Doreen Virtue said. Now, there's an issue with this, ladies and gentlemen. You see how palatable they're making it. See how palatable they're making it? Well, what if you starve? Oh, God won't let you starve. Yeah, okay. This is this is what this is what let, let's 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 play this back. This is what this is what the Lord says. After he says a uh, verse on uh, Revelation fourteen eleven, and the smoke of their torment shall rise forever and ever. And there will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image. For anyone who receives the mark of his name. Listen to what it says. This is what it says. Well, let me read the whole thing. And the smoke of that torment will rise up forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image and for anyone who receives the mark of his name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keeps his commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. And then listen to what the Holy Spirit says next. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed is are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. That's a beatitude. Blessed. There's seven beatitudes in Revelation. This is one of them. He's saying, listen. I know this calls for patient endurance on part of the saints. I know this calls for tough times. I know this calls for some of you having to die, even be thrown in prison. But ladies and gentlemen, know this. You will win 
in the end. Listen, I have to go because the battery of my recorder is about out. Uh, you have just enjoyed another exciting episode of the Revelation Revolution. We'll pick up with another exciting episode after this. God bless you and keep you in Jesus' name. Must know the times answers to 25 essential questions on end time prophecy a powerful new book by dennis james woods the world is spiraling out of control at an alarming pace wildfires earthquakes hurricanes and floods devastate entire communities global pandemics kill hundreds of thousands of people social injustice unrest and lawlessness threaten our societies Political instability and the threat of war increase hostilities between nations. The birth pangs of distress are getting more intense each day. The question is, what do all these things mean, and where is this world headed? Unfortunately, at a time when people need answers the most, many do not know about the end times. You Must Know The Times, Answers to 25 Essential Questions on End Time Prophecy, is an eye-opening book that is specifically designed to educate readers on a wide range of subjects concerning the last days. This book will equip you to discern the times, in which we now live. You will learn what the Bible says about the signs of the times, the conflict in the Middle East, the tribulation period, the nation of Israel, the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, the Battle of Armageddon, the Rapture of the Church, the Return of the Lord, and many more essential topics. Discover the powerful message the Book of Revelation has for Christians, and the perils that await a rebellious world. The Lord warns, Look, I am coming like a thief. The one who is alert and remains clothed, is blessed. Therefore, it is vitally important that you must know the times. Be aware, be informed, and most of all, be prepared for things to come. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times by Dennis James Woods at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold.